the youngest team, not only in Major League Baseball, but their average age is less than the average AAA team, which is sort of mind-boggling when you think about it. And usually when a team does that, you're looking at they're going to lose 100 games, or maybe like Baltimore did a few years ago, 114 games. And you're not going to, you know, you could be young and very bad. The interesting thing is that they're young and they're not bad, and they have a chance to be pretty good. Uh, very soon. So that's exciting. And then the other part, Ray, is they're a young team with old school baseball. You know, they have the fewest strikeouts in the American League, second fewest homers. They're in the middle of a pack of scoring runs. Stolen bases are supposed to be out where they're back in in Cleveland. Uh, remember, for a while, baseball almost was down to think about it strikeouts, walks, and homers. That was a game which, to me, was just awful to watch. And these guys make contact, and granted, they don't hit as many homers, but they're on base, and there's some action out there. You know, Terry, this this goes back, and you and I have talked about this, decisions by the front office, and you look at it because they are winning, and a lot of this has to do with the next generation of their starting pitching, but they made that decision a couple of years back to turn it over to the next generation to get ready for this team. And if they didn't have this starting pitching of McKenzie and, and Plesak and, of course, Shane Bieber and company, they wouldn't be here. But they made those decisions a few years ago with the Klubers and the Bowers and the Carrascos that it was time to go to the next generation. Well, if you look at two, Tampa Bay's done it this way, Oakland's done it this way. Um, those three teams have been the most successful. Right now, Oakland's a, a mess, uh, probably because they want to move and, you know, all that kind of thing, but like, like Tampa Bay and Cleveland, rarely are they bad. Think about that, Ray. And remember in baseball, you can get bad and stay bad for a long time, drive down the road to Pittsburgh, you know, take a look at what happened to Kansas City since they won the World Series in 2015. Uh, the Tigers, as I mentioned before, and, and interesting, by the way, you know, these are teams in their division, teams right around them geographically. The Reds are a mess right now. Uh, so Cleveland's avoided that. This is the 10th year with Francona and the combination of Mike Chernoff and Chris Cincinnati in the front office. And uh, I think they'll probably end up with a winning record. And so that'll be nine times in the last 10 years, a winning record. They make the playoffs. They've already been there five times in that period. It'll be six. Um, and they've been to the World Series. By the way, if we we're talking about the Browns like that, they've won statues built, you know, in front of the stadium <laughs> of people. And uh, it's, as you said, they, they did this, and they look at that, you know, their idea they would rather trade them a year or two early rather than see them get hurt or basically be stuck with the contract. I mean, the, the two big trades they made recently, you traded Corey Kluber and that's Classe, who I think is right now the best closer in all of baseball. Yep. He's in the All-Star game. And then they traded uh, Frank, I'm sorry, uh, Frankie Mundor, and you have um, uh, Jimenez to show for that, who was in the All-Star game. And I think the most underrated team player on the team is Rosario. So you have those guys there, to, and those are just terrific deals. Not everything works out. You know, they made the Trevor Bauer deal. Friend Mel Reyes was supposed to be in the middle of that. Um, he just lost himself totally, got out of shape, and, and really didn't fit with this high-motor team that they have. And to their credit, you know, some front offices would have said, well, we want something to show for the Bauer deal. They just would have hung on to him. You know, these guys let him go. Uh, the coaches and the, 
players were saying, look, Fran Mill's just not on the program here. Yeah, and Fran Mill ended up, I believe, with the Chicago Cubs is where with he is. Cubs, yeah. If you're another team, sure, you pick him up, maybe get him in shape. Maybe that's a wake-up call. He did hit 30 homers a couple of years ago. Uh, but for here, uh, it was hard for Frank Cohen to look Oscar Gonzalez and uh, these different players you know, in the eye and tell them, uh, we're going to give some of these at-bats to Reyes when he wasn't producing at all. And you want to find out about them. You know, I want to see what uh, Will Brennan could do with the get around to bringing him up. Um, I would have brought him up instead of Benson, but um, they were they were looking at Benson, I think, as being more athletic and, and that kind of stuff. But the, I think right now with Quan, with Straw, with Gonzalez, and maybe some of these others, when we kept saying for years and years they have no outfielders, they have outfielders. And keep in mind they have kind of a Cleveland way to play. And that is Francona believes that defensive positions uh, are key and that in his mind, yes, shortstop, everybody says that, but catching in center field. And he will go with uh, poor offense in those positions if you're getting elite defense. And by far, when they do all those breakdowns analytically, I'm not just talking about the Guardians, but the, those things you can get online from fan graphs and others, Miles Straw is the best defensive center fielder in baseball. And he is a career 250 hitter. He's just not having that kind of year this year. And their catchers have been very good with the pitchers. Terry Pluto with us, award-winning columnist and righty. Writer, uh, Terry, you mentioned the Browns. Why don't we segue that way? And we're still waiting for a ruling on Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. He played a little bit last week. Didn't play a whole lot. Didn't play very well, but he hadn't played in a year and a half. How big, because, you know, you know these guys. You, you How big of a distraction is the Deshaun Watson thing, Terry? To most of the players, I don't think it's much. Um, they're too busy doing their own jobs. I really believe that. Uh, the only time that it bothers them is when people are asking them questions about Deshaun. When it's like, hey, you know, ask Deshaun, ask the front office or something. Of course, Deshaun and the front office aren't talking. That's, that's where it gets annoying. But in terms of, you know, how Nick Chubb's pre preparing or anybody else, I don't think it's a big deal. Now, the, you know, the question will be, you know, how good is Jacoby Brissett? Because he's going to end up playing a certain amount of games. You know, for once again, for about the third time in the last three weeks, I heard a ruling's going to come down on Watson next couple days. So, <laughs> who knows? Uh, I mean, they have to do it sometimes before the next millennium. Um, and clearly they're trying to get some kind of settlement because I don't think that uh, uh, they want to put this indefinite suspension for a full year in the place and then have Watson sue and it goes into court. I think that's one of the one thing they're trying to avoid. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, the players, it's kind of like in your workplace, you know, somebody else is having some problems, but for the most part, you're worried about your job and you getting paid. I saw the comments from Joel Batonio coming out of the weekend, how he said, yeah, we're the villains or it's going to be us mm -hmm. against the NFL it seems like they're kind of accepting where they are right now as they're going to be on the road and they're going to get some backlash wherever yeah. they go. Yeah, and, and you have no choice. So you might as well you know, embrace that, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with whether uh, how Watson's been treated or not. It's like this is your situation. And I, so I think Batonio was saying that, and it is going to be ugly on the road when Deshaun plays. 
Uh, that is a fact. I think there were a lot of factors involved in the decision the Browns didn't think all the way through. But they're in it now. Jacoby Brissett, you've watched him. What's your mm-hmm. feelings on him? Because you're right. It looks like he's going to play probably at least half of this upcoming season. Uh, I think they can win nine to ten games if they had to play for the whole year and he could stay healthy because the roster is really good. I mean, it, it, it really is. The defense is a chance, uh, I think, to be, you know, top, I would say top seven or eight. People start talking top five, but, but really at least certainly in the top ten because the defensive backfield is getting stronger and stronger with the dis- different guys they've added. Um, the linebackers, you know, are better. And it, you have, if this Jerry and Clowney stays healthy like he did last year, and, you know, with Garrett, really have a chance to be very, very good. And then you have the running game. You know, you have, um, I think, Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, tight ends. You don't need great receivers. In fact, that was, I think, just some of the problems the Browns had in the past. Once Odell was here, you know, well, you got to get the ball to Odell. I got tired of hearing that. You know, you got to get the ball to the guy who's open. Mm-hmm. And this way, when Jarvis was here, then it's like he was sort of the main guy and then if not, you threw it to somebody else, and you ran the ball. And um, I just think they can do all that with uh, with Jacoby and do it pretty well. 